Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Rewrite the Mother Code with me, your host, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I have on the show today uh, a woman, Anne Preston Bosher, and I'm so excited to have you hear about her and her business is called hyphenate coaching. And you'll get to learn like where that name came from and what that means, which I think in itself is really cool, but how she's on her own mothering journey and ways that she's worked to kind of claim mother for herself prior to having, or, you know, if she does choose at some point to have biological children, but these just beautiful, awesome ways she's mothering in the world and bringing uh, a lot of that to bear and also wanting to make changes just like I do, you know, in how we talk about it and what it means and how we can come together in that space. So can't wait for you to hear. And also just love being, you know, with someone who gets how important it is to, as when she decided to also add coaching to her, you know, doctorate in physical therapy, that, you know, we're not just physical beings, we're emotional beings that think and her seeing those connections and understanding that working on herself is going to have an impact on her patients, working on herself and then advancing herself in that way so that she can literally, you know, support and understand that, you know, her doing her own work supports the work that other people need to do in their lives and the ripple effects of that. So I love that recognition and I love it when I get to be with, you know, people, men, women, when they have that discovery and realize like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't need to get coaching because I'm broken. I want to get coaching and elevate myself in my self-awareness, in my authenticity, in, you know, who I'm meant to and how I'm meant to live this life and what's possible for me. Uh, and what a gift that is. So I think you all know, I love doing that uh, with my coaches and happy to hop on a call and, and do any kind of discovery if that's even an inkling for you. So without further ado, let's go meet Anne Preston. Well, here we are. I am super excited to welcome Anne Preston Bosher. And thanks so much for being here. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. We were just chatting before we got officially recording here and making this connection because Ann and I both went to the same university for our graduate degrees um, at the right graduate university. And Ann has her coaching certification from their transformational leadership coaching certification and is also ACC, International Coach Federation, ACC certified. So that was a huge big deal. We're going to hear more about that. But just wanted to make that connection that we have the same alma mater from that perspective. So I'm yes, so happy to have you. 
Thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm excited to have everybody hear your journey and, you know, what's been going on with you, particularly kind of the pandemic and where you were headed, like as the pandemic started, but you have a coaching practice as well as a pediatric physical therapist practice. And we get to talk about how those go together, what led you to add the coaching to that. And it's really beautiful, really beautiful story that you're living, have lived and are currently living. So this is, I think, gonna, you know, reveal like how, and I know we're going to get into this, like all the different ways we mother right? And and ways that we want to bring our caring to the forefront and share ourselves and bring healing for ourselves and the planet, you know, in this way. So I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. So if you don't mind, I'm going to leave it a little bit general so you can kind of pick up wherever you want in your journey, but I'd love to have people hear what you're doing now and and then how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Sure. So WGU is actually my second attempt at grad school. Um, I graduated from St. Louis University with a doctor of physical therapy degree in 2011 and started practicing as a pediatric physical therapist. And I've spent most of my career providing services in families' homes through the mm-hmm. early intervention program which is a really just, it's a unique practice setting. I think yeah. any physical therapists would agree. It's a much more intimate environment. We develop much closer relationships with our patients and their family members, even extended family members. Um, and we also stare down the social determinants of health every single day. So after about practicing for like over 10 years, I started to really sort of expand the lens through which I was practicing. And it started to observe and kind of witness more than just my patients, gross motor skills, just really started to look at the family system and how trauma was playing a role within the system that led me to wanting to get a little bit more support and skill in navigating that trauma, engaging that trauma Mm -hmm. so that I could be a better support for my patients and their families. And that's when I enrolled in WGU with the intention of getting a certificate in emotional intelligence as well as transformational coaching. And so the other part of that was I was also on my own like personal journey and just doing a lot of shadow work and growth work. I ended a 14 year relationship when I was 28 years old. And so was just sort of on this journey for myself. And part of the experience at WGU um, is also engaging in this program called the year of more, which is designed to help your own personal and professional growth. Yeah. And I'm sure that brought a lot to the surface for you. So I love that you saw, because it's easy, I think, as a practitioner to get focused in your arena, right? Like I'm there, I'm in this setting, you know, with a family and my job is to, you know, tend to this child for, I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons that you're, that you're in there, but something stirred in you to like, I love how you say that. I like lifted my head up and started looking around, you know, at what was going on and saw a lot of dynamics. Right. And what was that like, like to first, like, what did you feel when you first started noticing that and saw that it's more than about, I'm going to, this isn't the word you would use, fix this child, right? Like it, like this child better. There's, there's more going on here that I would imagine you realize adds to the healing or adds to, you know, the whole circumstance possibly. Yeah. And it's, it's actually interesting that you use the words fix this child, because that was 
sort of one of the ways that I noticed that trauma was manifesting. Yeah. And most of my patients, um, especially previously in my, when I was working in the Chicagoland area were birth to three, most were under the age of three. Many of them were born extremely prematurely and were discharged home after many months in the neonative intensive care unit. And because of that carry a lot of risks for developmental delays, cerebral palsy and other medical conditions as well. So one of the things that I was noticing was just how this trauma, this unresolved trauma, because these mothers were, you know, the pregnancy was traumatic. The delivery was traumatic. The post-delivery hospital stay was traumatic for the parent, but also for the baby. Yeah. That's one of the things that in our practice, we don't necessarily recognize. And we don't necessarily see that as an influencing factor in children's health and how they respond to treatment and how they respond to therapies and sort of influencing their developmental progression. So I started to notice that because we weren't talking about this mm. trauma, and I think one of the things that we do a terrible job of doing is identifying the loss that these parents and families are experiencing in caring for a child who has survived. Yeah. And we don't necessarily know what that life is going to look like. So there's a lot of uncertainty, but there is still so much loss in that because the vision of your pregnancy is that it's going to be 40 weeks and that you're going to deliver a baby vaginally, maybe by a cesarean section, you'll be in the hospital for a day or two and you're going to take your baby home. Mm -hmm. And that's not what these families are experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so there's, despite having a child who has survived, there's so much loss in the vision that they had developed for their pregnancy delivery and their transition home from the hospital and what those early months were going to look like. And then of course the vision of their child's future is being a yeah. developing child. And, you know, will my child walk? Will my child talk? Will my child get married? Can they go to college? You know, I once had a family talk to me about just wanting her child to be able to walk however he was going to walk so that he could get out of his car. And that was, and it was just this really interesting moment for me because the, this was a baby. So I had not gotten to driving a car, but that was where she was, right. Yeah. Was that She wants her child to be able to drive a car because that's a part of independence mm -hmm. and that autonomy. So um, one of the things that, one of the ways that I was noticing that trauma was manifesting was this sort of fix it mentality. Like, what can we do? How can I fix this? How can yeah. I sort of fight the diagnosis of cerebral palsy or how can I fix it once we get the diagnosis and what resources can we use? And then just starting to seek a lot of therapy, which has a lot of impact, right? Because there's, that's a time. Totally. It's a monetary yeah. investment that can impact siblings if siblings are, you know, present in the family system as well. So I think your initial question was, what was I seeing and how is that making me feel? Mm -hmm. I almost felt like helpless, right? Like I was there to help and I was able to help, but I just felt like the services that I was able to provide were limited and not nearly touching the surface of what we really needed to address mm. around acceptance and, you know, finding a balance in how much is enough for our family and what's too much for our family. Mm. What, what can we handle and what's just going to throw us over the edge. So it made me feel like I was helpless in this position when I was supposed yeah. to be helpful. Yeah. That, and that's what led you to want to be 
more helpful, right? And and realize like, oh, if I gain some skills here, uh, maybe I can expand my reach in penetrating this family or the situation and and provide even more. So that leads me to you have coaching, you know, you're the pediatric physical therapist and the name of your so why don't you share the name of your company and like how you got to that because it it tells us how that we we're linking these together. Sure. So the name of my company is Hyphenate Coaching. And when I was coming up, I mean, it's so hard, as you know, to kind of come up with a name of this business <laughs> brand. And yes, you can rebrand and you can rename and all those things, but it feels there's a sense of like permanency to it, right? Like right. how you're putting yourself out there. And I wanted something that was personal to me that like reflected me. And one of the most unique things about me is that I have a hyphenated first name. So it's kind of initially where I went with it. And then the, the coaching practice is really about connection and that's what a hyphen does. It connects two things. And so I started to see, okay, I can really play in this space, right? Like the coaching practice, it's connecting the coach with their client, but it's also connecting the client with the person that they're becoming. Hmm. And then I did a quick search about what the word hyphenate means. And it describes when it's used as a noun, it describes a person who is active in more than one occupation or sphere. I felt, never knew that. that well, I think that was like, that right. Means, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I settled on hyphenate coaching. And it makes so much sense. Like they're, you're active in more than one occupation, but I love how, you know, they're intended. Well, you can tell me like, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit more how you're kind of bringing the two together. Are they completely kind of separate? Oh, I coach individuals and I do the pediatric or am I bringing it into the family sphere or all of the above? Like what's it, what's it been looking like? I know it's kind of new, but not totally, you know, you bring these together. Oh, it feels so no, it feels like it's in its early infancy. Yes. So my sort of overarching vision is for there's sort of three arms and I do, I still work full time as a pediatric physical therapist Mm -hmm. and I work for a major medical institution. So one of my biggest goals that I'm just doing in, in terms of showing up as a provider and showing up in my authenticity and my sovereignty and being me as I show up to work, not only like collectively when I'm working with my colleagues, but also when I'm serving my patients directly is having an influence and using my emotional intelligence and my skills to really sort of move the needle in terms of how we're practicing, how we're collaborating as medical providers Mm -hmm. and really looking at how can we communicate better so that we can, we're never going to be able to eliminate trauma because medicine is a very traumatic space. But how can we mitigate it? How can we identify it? How can we recognize it? And how can we start to engage it? And so that's happening through my work as a pediatric physical therapist. And hopefully I would love to one day work more as like a consultant and start to really bring up these issues and, and raise them more on the systemic level. I recently gave a a presentation. I sit on our DEI committee. So the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. And I gave a presentation on emotional intelligence and awareness in the workplace. And I was really impressed by how many people showed up. So um, yeah, I'm just showing up and saying yes to opportunities and sort of expressing my feelings and ideas around different things and trying to create influence and transformation within the medical system. 
And then I'm also coaching individual clients, which I, I love. Um, Mm -hmm. and that is kind of separate from my work as a pediatric physical therapist, but I do love that space. And I love watching my clients grow and holding a container for their growth. And then one day I would love to work. And I think this is probably going to be more on like a pro bono space, but I'd love to work with, with families like mothers and caregivers of children following traumatic pregnancies and deliveries who are at risk for disabilities or have a disability or a medical complexity and just helping them establish a vision for what they want their future to look like within this new context. Yeah, that's what I was, I love that. I mean, well, all of it is important and I love how you're touching on and naming it's, you know, I'm going to realize this vision, not just in one way, but a number of ways, right? Like, and how being my most authentic self and, you know, working on me and elevating my emotional, social, emotional intelligence will have a ripple effect. And we just, you know, we know that, and that's going to make a difference. And then wherever I can literally share it, live it, you know, bring people to me and, and, and through the coaching and all the different ways. But I do love the idea of you being able to offer both the pediatric physical therapist aspect, you know, so credibility as a doctor in that sphere of like, here are things that you can do to help your child, but here's more of what you can do, right? Like it isn't yeah, just here's what you thing. can do yourself so that you can better exactly. help your child. Exactly. And, you know, I know that you would have had at least touched on some, you know, in your graduate program on, you mentioned family systems at the beginning. And I think that's something that, you know, was really hot for a while, like a long time ago. And this realization, like, oh my God, a family's a system. We all impact each other. And there's no such thing as a problem child or, you know, this or a let's fix one person in a system and then everything will be okay. It's like, no, everybody has to look at themselves. And when we do, that's great. And, you know, when we see the impact amongst and and how we're contributing, right, to everything. And, uh, you know, I would love to see you break into that space. It's just, you know, my personal vision for you is is like, hey, while I'm at it, not only, you know, can I like do this, but what if we were to I'd love to give you some education and share about family systems so you can better understand the the impact and have understand that this is a healing for everybody. This is something that we're we're in this together. And yeah, we want, you know, this baby to thrive and with whatever it's specifically acutely dealing with, but we're all healing, right? We're all like little wounded boo-boos, I think, right? And absolutely. And that's, you know, that's that's a a lot of belief busting. It's, you know, this is where rewrite the mother code comes in, right? Because we have models and paradigms and you've mentioned a few times and, you know, like birth trauma and the medical system being a part of instigating trauma, right? When we're all taught to believe like, no, that's like the safe place. Well, not, of course that's the intention, but it doesn't mean it always is. And for us to kind of peel back these layers in the veil so we can make, you know, more expanded choices and, you know, really all participate. Like, cause I'm thinking about these families, you know, dealing with something significant like this and the opportunity for all of them to learn and grow and heal um, yeah. in that. And, you know, but our anxiety, of course, as you said, like kind of wants us to just get it over with, like, let's just fix that and carry on. And then, yeah. And I love that you touched on and 
just want to name like the healing of, you know, broken dreams and assumptions that we have that this was going to go as planned. And, and then when it doesn't, I don't think our culture very well supports that loss, like the morning of it. It's like, okay, well, just jump right in and deal with, you know, deal with this current situation versus giving ourselves space to have those feelings. So I love that, you know, you're finding like ways to like get in there and do all this, but not a but, but, and, you know, I, I know it doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah, no, it's a slow process. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things, like, especially in developing a new business, you have all this excitement and drive and motivation, and you just expect that things are going to happen so quickly. And a lot of these are, you know, I, I think I often lose sight of all the minutia and the small things that I do on a daily basis that are actually contributing to a sense of change and transformation. And so that's like a deliberate practice that I go through like at night. It's like, okay, what did I do today that maybe didn't feel productive, but was actually very productive. And I a lot of that really just, oh, I showed up and I was being myself and I was in my authenticity and in my sovereignty. And so, yeah. And we'll that makes, and that matters and underlining for mm -hmm. ourselves, how much that matters and that that has made a difference, you know, to ourselves personally, uh, but to anyone that's in our sphere and around us and, and taking part in life yeah, with absolutely. us. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I mentioned this or like kind of dropped it in there also, but I would love to like dig into it a little bit more because I see all this as, as mothering, right. And you taking on different spheres of what it means, you know, or what it looks like to mother. So what does that mean to you? You know, what does mothering in these spheres or in general look like for you? Yeah. I think when I think of motherhood, I think a lot, I mean, obviously it's, it's the divine feminine, right? Um, it's a lot of those feminine aspects. It's the nurturing, the nourishment. And I think particularly in my field and where this applies to me is the sense of really reading a child's cues and responding appropriately, but reading their nonverbal cues, reading their stress signs. One of the things that neonates often do to, to show stress is they open their hands. Like a, it's a stop sign, but a lot of people misread it as, oh, they're waving or they're, oh, you know, they're moving, but it's actually a sign of distress. Same thing with hiccups, hiccups and babies is often yeah. a sign of distress. So yeah. being able to really pick up on these nonverbal cues and to help demonstrate that I'm responding to your cues. I'm somebody that's here, that's here to serve you. That's here to protect you, that you can trust. And we're going to play and we're going to build skills and it might be hard, but I'm going to respond to your cues and, and honor them and respond appropriately mm -hmm. um, so that we can continue to develop a rapport and a, a relationship and a secure attachment. Cause that's ultimately what mothering comes down to is wanting to create a secure attachment with someone or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be a person and really being able to then nourish and nurture that thing or that person. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning 
land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay. And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. That's beautiful. I love that. And, you know, everything that you described, you know, is mothering, right? Yeah. And not to generalize it too much, like there's this bigger, you know, kind of thing we consider called divine feminine. And I, I like bringing that to light because I think that's something we've lost in when, when we, I make this distinction between mothering and motherhood, you know, mothering is to me, you know, that aspect of possibility, you know, that divine feminine that's in all of us, men and women, um, all across the board, those values that, power that, you know, and you mentioned nurturing, you know, it's also that like protective mama bear kind mm -hmm. of, you know, aspects that we, that we all have in us and something I very much want to change is this belief that like, no, you're only a mother if you have a child, but that's just one way we can mother. And I'm very insistent that we break, you know, that belief that, that's a woman's purpose on this earth, right? Is to, we're, we're here to give birth to kids and, you know, keep going. And if you don't do that, you're not fulfilling your purpose and just how much that's been ingrained. And it's still with us, even though we have a little more awareness and openness to it, it's going to take some big unraveling, but I figure that's, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Let's like name it as much as possible. Let's make it more overt and out there that, you know, we all like conceive, create and give birth to 
a new business, you know, that you're developing and, and new aspects of that business. And I love what you said about just interacting with the child and those awarenesses of feeling seen and being seen. Right. Mm -hmm. And yes, we can do that. Why would we only leave that to an interaction that uh, a woman would have with the child that, you know, she brought into the world or has, you know, in her care when there's so many places and ways that we can be doing that and we want to. So I love that that's in, in your thoughtfulness, you know, as you're doing this and you're seeing yourself, you know, in this more expanded definition of mothering. So if you want to say more about that or, you know, how that has that journey, what that journey for you has been like. Yeah. It's, I think it's something that I've seen internally for a long time. I mean, even just like, you know, I am not a biological mother. I do hope to be one one day. Mm -hmm. Um, but my friends have kids and I have really close relationships with them. And I just, I've always felt like a very, just sort of mothering has come easy to me, right? Just like being able to be with children and respond to children and play with children and kind of get on their level. I mean, I obviously do it professionally as well. It's helpful, but even just, just personally, that's something that's always been a strength of mine. Um, something that's just very innate within me. And I think it's, it's relatively new that I've actually given myself permission to see myself as a mother and actually had a couple of really sort of traumatic events here. When I first moved to Nashville, Um, I had an apartment fire. There was a shooting outside of one of my patient's houses and I was feeling I needed some support. So I did a therapy intensive And one of the exercises that I was asked to do was to, I had to create a picture. I had to draw, which I'm very left-brained and not a super talented artist, but the whole point was pulling together both hemispheres of the brain and kind of working on opening up that space. So I drew a flower garden and in the soil and where, you know, the stems of all the flowers were, were all of the things like I am statements about the beliefs of who I am and what my truths are. So I am worthy. I am lovable. I am curious. I'm perceptive. I am justice oriented. All these things that describe who I am. And then the flowers themselves were actually my roles. I remember I was, you know, using these pastel paints that my therapist had given me since I don't own any art supplies. And I kept thinking like, I just want to write, like I'm a mother, but I was afraid to show that to her because she is a biological mother. And I was afraid that she was going to say or think like, oh no, you're not a mother and you don't know anything about motherhood. Like, unless you've experienced it, you don't know it. Don't even touch this. But I chose to do it because I was like, in this, this is the most supportive space that I can sort of reveal this sense of who I I believe myself to be. And she was super accepting and she, yeah. So she was able to honor that for me and kind of just see that this is a role that I play. You know, it's not just a role that I play as a pediatric physical therapist, but that is a place where I, I do mother. And I also mother my patients' mothers because they need, a lot, of say, yeah. and they need a lot of support and nourishment and encouragement. And there are also moments where they mother me, right? We're all just there mothering each other. And it's a, it's just a really beautiful experience. So But it did. It took a lot of reframing in order to allow myself to call myself a mother. Well, I thank you so much for sharing that. I just want to underline some things and unpack it, but I also just want to, I don't know, breathe a moment and take that in because you just, to me, exemplify like kind of one, what we're dealing with to claim this more expanded definition or, you know, the space 
and two, what's possible when we do, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, but you know, I I loved you sharing that, you know, I don't want to offend this woman, right? Or I don't want to, you know, upset her to claim this, but you did. And she didn't, you know, your worst fears didn't manifest. It doesn't mean someone else might not have a reaction. Like some people do. They're like, you don't know. I mean, I've, I've had clients and people that have had that people in their lives have that reaction. And it's why I love it, like coming in to disrupt it. Right. And yeah, people are going to have a whole range of reactions, but if we don't disrupt it to have us like, look at it and say, well, we'll never it's one of my like visions around all this is that we find more and more ways to unite as women, you know, and bring our power together, bring our capacities, our insights, rather than being a culture where it's like, okay, well, now you've had a child. So you're a mother and you hang out in this sphere. Mm-hmm. And I know it goes on because I did it myself, the like judging each other for some of our choices or decisions or feeling like, oh, I can't relate now or. I'm excluded from some of my friends who have kids now, like a whole array of things that happen. But when we're willing to kind of step in there and claim it Mm -hmm. and see where we're more alike than different and bring those powers together, like to me, that's the only way our planet's going to heal and survive. No, and I agree. It's one of those, it's right. Like we just, you can be the same thing and have the same label and that can look very different, right? Like I'm a physical therapist, but I treat infants and some physical therapists treat geriatric patients or they treat sports injuries and, you know, elite athletes, but we're both still considered physical therapists and we serve, you know, we have the same role, yeah, same degree, same licensure, but what that looks like is very different and there's space for both. Yeah. There's space for all of us in it. And I, I so want us to honor and support each other in our variety of choices, right. And encourage each other, you know, like I I know women who've decided that having children isn't, you know, for them or they've, they've made that choice and they've done it consciously and really explored and looked at it. And you know how many often people in their life will be like, oh, well, you'll get over that, you know, or it's just because the right guy hasn't come along, you know, so you're, you know, often have to kind of reaffirm it for yourself, right? And we haven't reached that point where we don't have to justify a choice like that as, you know, not only viable, but important. I think it's important that we all don't feel like that's the path, like that's what we have to do. I remember working with a woman who had built a beautiful business and career and had, you know, was loving her life and enjoying, she had been in relationships. She wasn't in a serious one at that time, but had enjoyed some really wonderful relationships in the seminar that we were, that I was leading, you know, she admitted, she's like, well, but I still don't feel like I'm, I'm a a woman if I don't do that. You know, will I, can I really fully call myself a woman if I don't have that experience. And I was just like, it just broke my heart, right? That, that, that would still be so powerfully wired. And and I understand it, of course, but all of these amazing things that she had done and was enjoying, right. And loving was never going to be enough until she decided it was enough, that that was a beautiful choice, you know, for her to make. And, you know, all along the way, I know you said, you know, you, you hope to have children someday and that's beautiful too, right? But in the meantime, I'm developing myself. I'm owning my mother, 
my mother self, I'm not waiting, you know, till then. Yeah. <laughs> this other thing I'm doing will will call a job, I don't know, or something. Um, as opposed to like, nope, you know, or you just might choose another way, an additional way to mother, you know, by having a child. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've I feel like in the last couple of years, I've I have experienced some separateness um from my friends who who already have mm-hmm. children. And and I think that that all shifts, right? Like when we're in different seasons of life, we have relationships that are easier to maintain, you know, being in Nashville, I have a lot of friends that are my age that are single. We're all very like-minded and we're in a a similar season of life. And it's just a little bit easier to connect and relate. Um, and so I think that there's just like some ebb and flow with that, but it it is And I did have a recent experience with, um, my closest girlfriends from back home in Chicago. We're on a group chat and there was a lot of celebration because one of my friends had announced that she was pregnant with her third child. And there was a lot of congratulations and we were all, you know, excited and kind of responding. And a couple of days later I had launched my website for my business and I had posted, you know, something in the chat and asked my friends if they would share it in their, in their communities and their, their channels. And, only one of my friends res- even responded. Um, and I was oh, devastated wow. because oh. it felt like I just, that was like this moment where I felt so separate because yeah. the birthing and the creation and what I had created wasn't being celebrated in the same way because it wasn't what we traditionally celebrate women. Yeah. For. And then of course, you know, another friend delivered her third and it was, or her fourth child actually. And then it was back to this celebration and it was, it was just tough having my ask and like my, you know, I was asking, it was kind of a bid for attention and sure. And yeah, you know, that's absolutely kind of work. And I don't know the first thing about building a website or a business or a brand. No. Or that. And I just, I felt really unseen and really separate because, wow. and th- that was hard, but, and of course, I don't think that that was intentional, but it did kind of but it highlighted things. like what is, what goes on. Right. It probably, I'm sure it wasn't conscious, right? Like, right. Oh, you know, we only celebrate these things, but that's what happens. Right. And it, it presented itself as like, okay, like this is where we're at, you know? And do you mind my asking, like, do you, have you said anything? I haven't. And uh, I'm not saying you have to, I'm just curious. Yeah, you know? No, it's something that I've wanted to get clear and complete. And I think because I, and this, this is something that I navigate a lot as somebody who has done a lot of work on themselves, a lot of shadow work, a lot of work around consciousness and, and oneness, and just really recognizing like where we are as a society and as a cultural. And I think sometimes it's really easy to forgive something or like, let it go because you understand its origin and balancing that understanding with also validating my own feelings and experiences is something is a challenge for me. I think I often like let go of things because I'm like, well, I understand understand. society has been sending these messages to us for years. And this is just where we are. And this is opportunity for growth, but in that, and in letting it go without getting clear and complete around it. And, um, I am serving to invalidate my own experiences. So. Yeah. And that's, that might be something to explore. It's not, you know, we don't, you know, we don't have to do those things. But, you know, you know, from the work that you do that in order to have things change, bringing it to people's awareness is important, 
Yeah. Right? And validating your feelings is yeah. important. So should yeah. you choose to do it, like, you know, the benefit of that would be and the possibilities because we need to educate each other. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. understand. And yeah, it breaks my heart. Like, as I totally understand that the blood, sweat and tears, the unknownness, there's so many, it's really a lot of what I hope to do in my book is like show these parallels and like, I just kind of put it out there. Like, look how much doing this is like this, right? Like I'm writing a book. It's a lot like conceive creating and giving birth minus the physical aspect the the parallels are in the things that you're doing. They're, they're there and we need to recognize them, right? Like launching a website and it's super vulnerable, right? You're putting yourself out there and we need to celebrate each other. I mean, I think that's just the yeah. other thing we want to say. We need to, whether we want to put it all and like link it to mothering or not, we just, the truth is we need to celebrate each other no matter what we're doing. And people need to know that. And they need to not only celebrate the things that we're used to celebrating at this phase, you know, in our lives. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I feel like, you know, this like big sister that wants to go tell him like, you need to know. <laughs> right. Well, this is of course an interesting and obvious way that I can show up and mother myself in this, right? Exactly. By being honest about how I felt and validating my experiences mm-hmm. and nourishing and meeting my own needs and of being seen in this space. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and that's how that's the only way this is all going to happen, right? Is when we are willing to take those risks. So you'll have to follow up with me later and tell me like, yeah, you know, how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll be rooting for you. And these things can be messy and and at the same time it can also be fine, right? Like our fears of like how people sometimes we think they're going to react don't manifest until and sometimes they do, but till we kind of put ourselves out there. And I I know, you know, you mentioned doing this program called the year of more, and that's a lot of what that's about. It's like, here, try this assignment, go do, you know, go do these things and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. Go tell someone how you felt and see if it, you know, what, what it does and the difference it can make. And always coming back to like, it's you standing in your truth, you know, it's you validating your feelings, no matter how anybody responds. Right. And that's, I think what's so important and it's brave. Yeah, so, it, is brave. it does. It is brave. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Oh, it's a beautiful example. So you mentioned, I because this is just a hot topic of mine. And so I'm going back to you talking about some of these traumas like happening in a place that you don't think trauma is going to happen, which is a hospital, like, you know, the, the birth trauma. Is that like, what do you see in that regard? Because I think that's another place where we're all kind of in the dark and just, I, I have a personal opinion to expand our definition of like how and ways that we can give birth. And we think there's one way and only one safe way to do that. And that's not always the case. And I think we all need to know about that. Yeah. I mean, I see life, I mean, life-saving procedures are traumatic even if they're planned, even if they're expected, Mm -hmm. it's it's trauma on your body. Your body is not meant to be cracked open and your ribs aren't meant to be separated, right? Like Mm -hmm. these are all these advancements that we have that are life-saving, but it's, it's physical trauma in your body and it manifests. And there's emotional trauma that responds to that because there's a fear, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go into the hospital, there are risks 
delivering a baby is risky. There's a lot of physical trauma, you know, that, that goes on in your body does things that it's designed to do, but it's traumatic. It's very, very painful, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why we've created these, these other ways of doing it more pain-free, right? So I, I think that it's, we just miss that, right? Because the Mm -hmm. hospital is a place of healing. It is a place of healing, but a lot of times the process of healing, you create a lot more, you create trauma in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that especially in babies. I think we think that they're too young. They don't, they're not able to process this. Right. Uh, they don't have the cognition. They don't have the experiences. They, it's just something that they are designed to be resilient, which is very, very true, but they, they do experience trauma. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I notice a lot from our babies that are discharged from the NICU is sometimes they have pretty significant aversions to movement because when they are, they're very rarely moved, which is intentional. I mean, they obviously do a lot of kangaroo care and things like that, but they are, they are moved very, very carefully and they do a lot of repositioning to simulate still being in the womb space. And oftentimes when they are moved, it's for something that's painful or they experience a noxious stimuli. So they associate movement with pain and that can be very hard to resolve to reassociate. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we do a lot of, even in these like really small babies, we do a lot of narrating. We talk to them about what they're going to experience. I'm going to pick you up on the count of three, one, two, three, up we go. And where we're going to lay down on your back or we're going to sit or where we're going to go and what we're going to do. So we can set up these expectations that this is not scary. And even, I mean, especially in the heart of the pandemic, when we started wearing masks in the home, I mean, everyone wearing a mask was associated with a doctor and something that was painful. So that even became, and we would have families say like, can you please take your mask off? Like, they're just scared of you. Like, you know, and we're like, well, we can't, but, but it's true. They develop these associations very, very quickly Hmm. because they're just, they're protecting themselves. That's a protective response. Wow. That makes so much sense. And as you were talking about that, like the the care that that you're taking to respond to the the baby in that way, like here's what I'm going to do. Like let's like talk this through. Does that happen for the mother too? Like because she's not. I'm not saying we have to tell. She's not dealing with it in the exact same way. But you know, like that's such a mothering thing to do for the child and to recognize that. And then I'm thinking about this mom that's just gone through so much and is dealing with their child and they're like, who's tending to her? I don't think that that's right. I saw you come in again. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, and the answer it doesn't is, have to be you doing everything, yeah. but it's like you yeah. and your intention of like, wait, we need to also care for this mama mm-hmm. who just is yeah. been through a thing. And, oh, yeah. you know. and I think that in, in the hospital, there's often a lot of social work that goes on, but once the families are discharged and that's all of them, they lose all of their support, they lose the team that carried them through this mm. acute trauma. And now they're at home where they don't have a lot of support. And um, mm. some of their children are still experiencing, you know, acute illness. And, you know, it's not uncommon for me as a physical therapist who's in the field to be exposed to traumatic situations where I'm calling EMS. And I'm, mm. I'm by myself because while well, I'm with a family and possibly a nurse, if there's one assigned to the case, but I don't have a team of people that I can just call and say, where's the code team? 
where's the people to help? But yeah, there's, there's not a lot of support for, for the families once they get home. Yeah. I'd like that to change also. Right. Yeah. And it needs to like, she, you know, it all is ripple effect. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I love it. It's so important. Well, I think the work that you're doing is important and beautiful and Preston, and I want more and more people to have access to you and, and know more. So how would people find you and get to discover these layers and your hyphenated everything? Yeah. Um, so I am on Instagram as at hyphenate underscore coaching, and I'm on Facebook as hyphenate coaching LLC. And I have a website, which is www.hyphenatecoaching.com. So you can find me there and you can direct message me, email me, um, and I'd be happy to respond and connect in any way. I love that. And I really hope that people do reach out and and discover you because I, I knew you to a degree, but getting to know you even more now, it's like, yeah, I, I want to know. I want to, you know, know more Ann Preston okay. <laughs> myself. <laughs> That's great. Thank so you. last question that I ask all my guests is what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? I think that rewriting the mother code is all about showing up in your full authenticity and sovereignty and making choices that align with you outside of external influences. And collectively, as we continue to rewrite our own mother codes, I hope that we are able to shift into a space where our definition or label of mothering is expansive and inclusive of all the ways in which we mother. Here, here. Yes, I love it. Well, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. And I look forward to seeing and following you and seeing how all of this evolves for you and your big vision. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the work that you do on behalf of all of us. Yay. Well, we're all, we're only going to be able to all do this together doing our pieces, right? Right. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, till next time. Wow. I loved, 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 loved uh, getting to know Ann Preston in this way. We've known each other peripherally and, and I love, you know, how it's a small world and we're all so connected and she knows great people that I know. And she's uh, who I have to thank for being a part of women of tomorrow with Laura Bell Bundy and Shay Carter. Um, she made that connection for me. So I just love where and how we all support each other uh, as women, as people in doing the important work that we're doing. So I loved getting to know how beautiful the work is that Ann Preston's doing, you know, in her sphere, working with families and working with children who suffered trauma and need, you know, immediate physical therapy from ages, you know, zero to three mainly. And that what a tender, beautiful time and her awareness to see like, wow, I want to do even more here. I want to like support these families. I want them to like, you know, everybody to go on a healing journey here and, and see what's possible. And huge shout outs to her for that and doing what she needs to do to make that a possibility for herself. And then the people that she's serving and particularly want to underline the very vulnerable uh, piece that she shared around, you know, that just highlighted to me, like how important it is that we kind of disrupt bust up, you know, the limited definition of mothering to only mean, 
you know, mothering biological children, because it's just so we're so much bigger than that. And that's such a beautiful, cool, miraculous thing that we do and can do. And our bodies um, are able to do this miracle thing, right? But our consciousness and our possibilities and everything, you know, that we are capable of isn't just that. And we mother in so many beautiful ways. And, you know, for her to share where she was hurt by not having that, you know, acknowledged by her friends when she mothered a, is mothering his business and how vulnerable that is and what a big deal it is. And that she's considering, you know, sharing that with her friends, because if we don't educate, kind of disrupt or like make aware, like, you know, we don't have to equate them. We don't have to say, Hey, this is the exact same thing, but we do need to be conscious and wake up and be aware of what our fellow humans are doing and particularly the people close to us. Cause we really need to support and uplift each other and, you know, break down these limitations and these barriers and walls that we've put up that isolate us and, you know, keep us boxed in and don't allow us to see what's possible when we, when we are honoring each other's choices so fully. So thank you and Preston, you know, for that. And I look forward to hearing any and all of your comments. Looking forward to hearing from you and till next time. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time.